Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including Hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. The following article is from the June 1992 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. It's written by Joseph E. Bennett, 33rd degree, and the title of the article is Buffalo Hunter to Grand Master. John William Poe, almost forgotten in the pages of history, led a long and eventful life well into the 20th century. His story unfolds in Maysville, Kentucky in 1850, where the boy destined to become a legendary pioneer and an honorable mason was born. At a young age, Poe worked his way to Fort Griffin, Texas, where he found jobs as a farmhand, railroad laborer, wolf hunter, and woodcutter. By 1873, he had made enough money to pursue his chosen profession, hunting buffalo. His original hunting party consisted of himself, his friend John Jacobs, and a skinner. They ventured onto the Texas plains as tenderfeet, but learned fast. Poe became one of the finest marksmen in the trade. In their first season, the party harvested 1,100 buffalo hides. The second season netted to the partners 10,000 hides. John Poe often stated that he had killed 20,000 buffalo in four years out of Fort Griffin, and he was never contradicted. Today, that number seems shocking. In the 1870s, however, most Texans believed they would get rid of the Indians only when the buffalo were gone. Without their main food supply, the western tribes would either starve or move to a reservation. It was also suspected that herds of domestic cattle could not be raised successfully as long as the buffalo dominated the open range. Of course, the primary motive for hunters was the high price paid for hides. By 1878, Poe and Jacobs realized the days of the buffalo were almost gone, and the two partners searched for another money-making venture. They sold their equipment, pooled their savings, and purchased a herd of sheep. When Jacobs decided to get married, Poe became a silent partner in the sheep venture and went to work as a deputy United States Marshal in Fort Griffin. An honest and hard-working citizen, an expert with rifle and six-gun, Poe tackled the difficult job with his customary dedication. Fort Griffin provided for the commercial needs of the military complement there, but the town had attracted the most unsavory and lawless collection of humanity on the frontier. When Poe arrived, murder was part of everyday life. That changed quickly, and the townspeople soon gave him the job of town marshal. Reluctant to settle a dispute with a gun, Poe's reputation as a fair and capable marshal spread throughout the territory. John Poe spent a year in Fort Griffin before moving to Wheeler County. There, at Fort Elliott, he continued as a deputy United States Marshal and a deputy sheriff. Citizens soon urged him to run for sheriff, but voter apathy caused Poe to lose the election. The townspeople were so sure he'd win, many did not even bother to vote. Poe, disgusted with Wheeler County politics, accepted a position as investigator for the newly formed Canadian Cattlemen's Association. His job was to trace and obtain evidence against cattle rustlers, who were a severe problem at the time. Poe learned that rustlers infiltrated western Texas from New Mexico, running the stolen herds of cattle back to Lincoln County. Billy the Kid was one of the many suspects, 
but Poe's investigation led him to White Oaks, a little mining town in Lincoln County, New Mexico, where the trail ended at Pat Coakland, called the King of Tularosa, whose large Three Rivers ranch in New Mexico appeared to be the gathering place for Texas beef. With the help of Sheriff Pat Garrett of Lincoln County, Poe gathered enough evidence to invite Coakland and inv hold him for trial. When Poe turned up two valuable witnesses, Mr. and Mrs. Nesbitt, Coakland's conviction seemed assured. While Poe was finishing up the Coakland investigation, Garrett had captured Billy the Kid in a famous shootout at Stinking Springs in December 1880. Billy was tried in Mesilla the following April for the murder of Sheriff William Brady during the Lincoln County Cattle War, found guilty, and sentenced to hang in May. Before the sentence could be carried out, however, he escaped from the courthouse jail in Lincoln, killing two of Sheriff Garrett's deputies. The search carried on into July, but by then Garrett was convinced William Bonney had long since fled to Old Mexico. John Poe, still working in White Oaks, received information which cast some doubt on that theory. An informer, befriended by Poe, approached him in White Oaks with a story that Billy the Kid was still in the area, probably staying with a girlfriend in Fort Sumner. Poe doubted the tale at first, but when the informant persisted, he became convinced Bonney was in Fort Sumner. Poe relayed the information to Pat Garrett, who received the report with a snort of disbelief, but agreed to look into it. Not wanting to alert the outlaw, Sheriff Garrett chose only two deputies to assist him, John Poe and Tip McKinney of Roswell, New Mexico. The lawmen approached Fort Sumner from different directions. Poe, who was unknown in the town, questioned citizens about Billy the Kid, but they were reluctant to talk about the outlaw. Garrett decided to ask Pete Maxwell, an old friend who owned a sheep ranch in Fort Sumner, for information. About 11 p.m. on July 14, 1881, the three officers stepped on the porch of Maxwell's house. Garrett instructed Poe and McKinney to wait outside while he entered alone. As the two deputies waited on the dark shadows of the porch, a silent figure in stocking feet passed them. Since he was unknown to both, they did not challenge him. He was Billy the Kid. William Bonney walked through the doorway where Garrett had entered only a few minutes before. Suddenly a shot rang out, then another. Garrett had killed the famous outlaw with his first shot. Although Poe and McKinney played small roles in the fatal shooting, Poe received more publicity for this than any other incident in his career. Although Billy the Kid was dead, other matters demanded Poe's attention. The trial of Pat Coakland was about to start. The prosecution's case against Coakland seemed airtight. Just before the trial, however, the principal witnesses, Mr. and Mrs. Nesbitt, were mysteriously murdered in desolate White Sands, New Mexico. Their killers were never found. The loss of the Nesbitts was a crushing blow to the prosecution, and Coakland was acquitted. Although Poe's hard work had been for nothing, Pat Coakland's life was never the same. His wealth, friends, and associates steadily evaporated, and he died within a few years of his acquittal, lonely and almost penniless. The year 1881 was not a total loss for John W. Poe, however, as he met his future wife, Sophie Alberding, a native of Illinois who moved to Roswell, New Mexico, to be near her brother Fred. Through the maneuvering of Captain Lee, Miss Alberding's host in Roswell, and Sheriff Pat Garrett, she was introduced to John Poe and urged to consider him as a possible choice for her husband. Initially irritated by the meddling of her well-meaning friends, Sophie was soon smitten with the tall, handsome John Poe. Poe, however, felt he did not have enough income to support a wife, and their wedding was put on hold for many months. An opportunity for employment surfaced in November 1882. Pat Garrett, widely criticized for shooting Billy the Kid, had decided not to run for re-election as sheriff of Lincoln County. John Poe was urged to run for the vacant office. 
He easily beat a formidable opponent, J.J. Dolan of Lincoln County Cattle War fame, but realized he would rarely be able to visit Sophie and Roswell. The only solution was to marry her and establish their home in Lincoln County. She agreed, and they were married in the spring of 1883. The Poes lived in an apartment above the courthouse in Lincoln for about a year. In fact, their bedroom was the very room from which Billy the Kid had killed Olinger and Bell, Pat Garrett's two deputies. John soon purchased the VV Ranch, a beautiful but remote piece of land about 15 miles from Old Fort Stanton. Poe was away much of the time with his work as sheriff, and Sophie was left alone. Their only child was born February 4, 1884, but lived only a few hours. The difficult pregnancy was followed by many weeks of recovery. Poe decided that he should give up his position as sheriff because of his concern for his wife, and did so before his term expired. He announced that they were about to take a long-delayed honeymoon. An extended vacation for John and Sophie included a stop at Hot Springs, Arkansas, a popular spa of the day. They also journeyed to Kansas to visit Poe's parents, who had moved there from Kentucky. Finally, they returned to Roswell, New Mexico. Poe surprised everyone when he announced that he and a friend, C. Smith Lee, were going to South America to inspect land for a possible ranch site. Sophie would await him in Roswell. Poe and Lee departed for Argentina in January 1887. They finally arrived and were enchanted by the lush pampas and the towering Andes. Unlimited land could be purchased for 25 cents an acre. They included Paraguay in their tour, too. Poe, always prudent, declined to make any decision before he thought it over for a while. He had ample opportunity on the return sea voyage back to the States. Upon arriving at Roswell, he announced that he had decided to stay in New Mexico and put some of the new ideas he had learned in South America to work. John bought some land near Roswell and established the first modern stock farm in the territory. He raised cattle in small fenced fields, supplementing their grazing feed with alfalfa raised in his irrigated fields. He upgraded his herd by careful breeding with blooded stock. His land and cattle flourished, and his neighbors finally conceded that Poe was not insane, but actually a very able farmer and stockman. The farm continued to prosper for nine years, until one day when John decided to sell everything and go into banking. The Bank of Roswell opened in 1890, with Poe holding a substantial block of stock. He became president of the thriving concern three years later. He held this office until 1899 when the stockholders voted to become nationalized. Poe decided to sell his stock and start another bank. In 1900, he launched the Citizens Bank of Roswell and held the position of president until his death. During his banking years, the city grew from a cow town into a thriving city. John Poe became an important civic figure in Roswell and eventually in all of New Mexico. Among the more important civic posts he held after New Mexico became a state in 1912 was president of the New Mexico State Tax Commission and as fuel administrator for New Mexico during World War I. Masonry was always an important part of John Poe's life. He joined Fort Griffin Lodge No. 489 and became their first Master Mason on February 1, 1879. He later demitted to become a charter member of Roswell Lodge No. 18. Poe was the first to receive the Royal Arch Degrees in Columbia Chapter No. 7 and the first to be knighted in Rio Hondo Commandery No. 6 in Roswell. He presided in all these bodies, eventually moving on to even greater Masonic achievements. He served as Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of New Mexico and Grand High Priest of Royal Arch Masons 1898-1899 and Commander of Knights Templar in New Mexico 1910-11. Poe received the 33rd degree honorary in the Scottish Rite in Kansas City in 1907. He was a member of the bodies of Santa Fe at the time of his death, completing a career of 44 Masonic years. 
John Poe, age 73, passed away in Battle Creek, Michigan on July 17, 1923. His wife Sophie was en route to his bedside when she received the news that her husband had died. The city of Roswell was shocked and saddened by his death. The front page of the evening newspaper of Roswell was devoted to an account of his amazing life and adventures and included numerous tributes to his contributions as a citizen. The accolade that would have pleased the old buffalo hunter most was the title Friend of Man, conferred on Poe by the publication. They could have paid him no greater compliment. The life of John William Poe is a shining page in the history of Freemasonry and the Old Southwest. In the midst of violence, lawlessness, and unending hardship, he remained honest, steadfast, and true to his principles. His life spanned the days of the Texas frontier to modern existence in New Mexico, and he was successful in every situation in which he found himself. Countless thousands of Americans have benefited in some degree by his lifelong efforts in Texas and New Mexico. John Poe served mankind all his life. No man could do more. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.